everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Sisterly. You're here with your co-hosts, Rebecca and Olivia, and we are so excited to be back with you again. Yeah, Rebecca and I have been chatting for about two hours, so glad that we finally <laughs> got around and pushing record. I know. Every every five minutes, we were like, all right, we really got to record now. We're like, But wait, one more thing I have one to tell you. I wanted to talk to you about. And now I don't even really remember what it is that we've been talking about for the last two hours. It really but... ran the gamut. I don't. I don't know that it's been focused on yeah. anything at all. <laughs> it's been kind of a wild ride. But both of us have just – so today is Saturday that we're recording and this episode's going to come out on Tuesday. But we both have had Saturdays where we haven't really had anything going on. We both got our nails done, which we're going to talk about in a second. But mm-hmm. yeah, we just like haven't had to it's do anything. It's been like a rare – thing for us where we've had a weekend lately where one or both of us are actually like have a day that's not really busy or like an activity planned. Yeah. Normally we're girls on the go. (laughs) (laughs) But but Rebecca and I did both get our nails done today. We did. Which I would like to say that I – listen, I don't have many claims to fame, but if there is one, it's that I – think I'm a little bit of a nail influencer. Um, I have single-handedly gotten like three people to become like nail people. Yeah, you have. Are you um, including me in that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Because you because I include myself in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I just but here's the thing. Here's the thing about getting your nails done. It really increases my mood. Mm-hmm. by 8,000%. Like, <laughs> I am a different woman when I come out of the nail salon. Yeah. I'm I'm obsessed with myself. <laughs> yeah. Transformational. Like, through the roof. It's like Mia Thermopolis before and after. Yes. Yes. No, I'm and after. then – I'm after. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's at its peak, like, in the following 72 hours after I get my nails done. But, like, the confidence continues as Especially- I have them done. Because I feel like people compliment on like my nails now. Like I, get I so le- many compliments on my nails. I literally will get stopped by people like at retail, at like my na- my like hairstylist, coworkers. They'll be like, "Oh my god, I love your nails." I'm like, "Thank you so much." They're like, "How did you do that? Are those your real nails?" And I'm like, "Wow, I feel like a celeb." Like, let me tell you all about my nail routine. <laughs> and here's the thing, I didn't do anything to get these nails other than arrive. At yeah. the nail salon, yeah. it's all my girl Lynn at Glitz and Glam. So a hundred percent shout out to her. But <laughs> it makes me proud <laughs> to, yeah. to have these nails. And I also just also like having the community at my nail salon. I know mm-hmm. that that sounds absolutely ridiculous, but like they all know me there. It does make you feel very special when you walk into the nail salon and they know you by name and they're like very, like you can tell that some of the other people who are there like looking over to you like who is this because like all the nail techs know who you are. I know. And then you get seated immediately and you're like, wow, VIP. Yeah. I walk in. Heidi's like, hi, Olivia. Great to see you. Like, please go sit at Lynn Station as per usual. <laughs> and there I go. <laughs> so happy to be here. This is my safe space. <laughs> uh, Lynn's a star. When I went to visit Olivia earlier this year, I went to Glitz and Glam with her because I was like, I need to get this experience for myself. And I can attest, Lynn is, in fact, the best. Yeah, She's worth a perfectionist, the hype. a star. Worth the hype. So anywho, but I went to get my nails done. And I do have to say, I just like need to get something off my chest about the nail salon. And mm-hmm. so just like hear me out. 
First, actually, there's a couple things. First of all, the people in a nail salon are like the hardest working people. Every time I go to my nail salon, the same people are there. And I go on different days. Like they're there every single day. Yeah, they're there, they're there like seven days a week. Yeah, like they're working constantly. They also are booking at maximum capacity. Like they're mm-hmm. trying to take every single person they can. Now, sometimes that means an extremely long wait time. So like that can be a bummer as, as a client. But that's why you've got to become besties with them because then you get seated immediately. Right. You have to be loyal and then you're rewarded with prime seating. Right. You have to form that relationship. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. So I don't like, one, when any of the people are disrespected in there because it's freaking rude. But two, every time I go in, not every time, but most of the times I go in, I hear several people complaining about the price they are told to pay at the end of their appointment. And it makes me very agitated for several reasons. One, a lot of times the people who are complaining are not like, they're not like walking in and getting a pedicure and then they're mad. They walk in, they want acrylics. So they're getting extensions. They want all these shades. They want bedazzled jewels glued on. Then they don't like it. You have to redo it. They want this crazy design and then it's done. And the person is like, it's $90 and they're having a panic attack. And it's like, listen, first of all, we know that being beautiful is not cheap. Okay. <laughs> Look at the Kardashians. Second of all, like if you don't want to pay that much, that's completely reasonable. If you're like $90 is too much for a manicure. I hear you. It's an insane price. Don't get it done. Like ask them. This isn't like a, this isn't one of those situations where they won't tell you how much something costs until you buy it. Like you can say, hi, this is the design I want. How much will it cost? And they'll tell you before they do your nails. So then when they do your nails and I hear people fighting with them at the counter, I'm like, this is insane. Like you can't, you have to pay for it. Like yeah. you can't just not well, pay Well, just for like it. if you had a nail budget, then you need to know, you need to ask them before you get your nails done how much it will cost to be like, does this fit within what I think is a reasonable nail cost. Right. Like if you want to pay $50 for a manicure, don't come in here looking for acrylic extensions, ombre, and glitter (laughs) glued to your nails. Like I don't know what you're expecting. Also, I would like to say, I don't know if this is the case everywhere, but where I go, like this is an art. Like what they're doing on your nails is art. So Not, not everyone can do it. Anywho, like that's just my rant. And I also just think once again, like if you don't want to pay that much, that's so fair. Stop asking for crystals. You know what I mean? Right. If you're going to more basic manicure. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> like, it's going to cost money. And it's just, it's so awkward for everyone else in the in nail the salon, salon yeah. because we're just sitting there minding our own business, paying what we're going to pay because we know what the situation is here and you're having a meltdown at the counter. Yeah. And I just don't have time for it. So anyhow, that's my rant on nail salons. Um, <laughs> I love mine. I I truly get anxious about the day that one day I don't live here and yeah, I have, to, have find to find a, a new, new nail salon. It's like, so hard finding a good n- nail salon. So hard. Mm. Yeah. I know. My nail salon, they do a good job. My issue with them is that they do make you wait and – even every time I show up, I have an appointment 
and I always make an appointment. And yet most of the time I would say I still have to wait. Although today I walked right in and I was seated immediately. So that was very exciting. I think, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm building up my cred and now they know. But even though I have to wait, I'm just like, it's not worth it to like leave them and find another place because I know that they like once I actually am seated, they do a good job and they don't like mess up my nails and they last really long. So I'm like, it's it's just it's not worth it to struggle to find a new place, even though I have to wait. Yeah, it's just like like we said, good nail salons are not easy to come by. (laughs) Anywho, that's been the main um, thing that we've been up to this weekend. I've also been watching a lot of Married at First Sight. Mm. Um, as per usual, it's dramatic. It's confusing. It's stressful. But I will continue to watch it. And it's crazy how some of these relationships actually last. Like, that's what's really insane. I know. And like, sometimes the ones that I did not expect. I'm like, oh, wow, look at them. It is crazy, too. Like, because here's the thing. There are some couples that right off the bat, you, you're you actually like, okay, these two people are going to stay married. Like, you can 100% tell. But then the editors, like, obviously, it makes sense why they do it, but they create. Yeah, they make you believe that there's, like, conflict. Right. They create this out. roller coaster. And so then yeah. when it's, like, decision day or whatever, for those of you who don't watch, that's when they decide if they're going to stay married or get a divorce. So then decision day comes and you're like, oh my God, are they going to get divorced? And of course they don't. And you know, you knew that, but the editors really made you believe that it was a possibility. And it's just, it's a wild ride. So I, I don't know, I might be able to finish the season tonight. We'll see. It's hard to do though, because the episodes are also like They're so 90 long. minutes. Like it's a movie in an episode. It's, it's so, so crazy. Long. I just finished season 14. And I liked that there was a reunion too because it was like even though you know what happened on decision day at the reunion, you're like, well, are they still together? And I was like surprised by like who was and who wasn't. Listen, I always need a reunion for every single reality TV show. It's actually very challenging for me to not have one of those because then I have to do a lot of internet stalking on where people are now. And I still do that, of course, but it's just like it's nice to have a little update. Another thing I've done so far this weekend is watch the second Fantastic Beasts movie, which many of you who are listening may have seen this already. And you might be saying, Olivia, the second Fantastic Beasts movie came out years ago. This isn't news. (laughs) I've actually never seen the Fantastic Beasts movies. I don't know why. I just, I don't know. I guess they just didn't really appeal to me. So I never watched, but even though I'm a big Harry Potter gal, anywho, finally watched it. I do think that the title is misleading. It's not really about the beasts. No. At all. It's not. Yeah. So that was confusing. I do like, though, when they make, like, references. Like, last night in the movie, like, Nicholas Nicholas Flamel is there. I'm like, oh, hello. Like, <laughs> I haven't seen you since your reference in Sorcerer's Stone. <laughs> yeah. Um, But it's also very interesting because... In the first and second Fantastic Beasts movie, Johnny Depp is in them, which I forgot that he's in those movies. Yep. And then the third one just came out. And so it's coming out on HBO in like a few days to watch. So Jack and I are going to watch the the third one. And I was like, I turned to Jack and I was like, wait a minute, what are they going to do? Like Johnny Depp is Grindelwald. And they were like, oh, yeah, they just recast him. And I was like, oh, OK, <laughs> that's going to be interesting because like. 
the third movie went into production after the original drama with Amber Heard. So he was recast. So it's just kind of interesting that that movie came out during the trial time. Yeah. Um, And the trial, by the way, is over now. And I think the verdict is coming out soon. I think next week. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Overall, it's been kind of a shit show. So literally, yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> sorry. Like it, it's it's like weird to laugh at this because we're talking about like the trials talking about abuse, which is not funny at all. But like the trial itself has been so crazy, and some of the things that they talk about, like the her pooping on the bed, like is so wild that it's it's hard not to laugh. I do have to say, though, I'm on the edge of my seat to see, like, what the verdict is and also just what happens to them in, like... After this. Yeah. I I think no matter what the verdict is, like, from... This isn't my opinion because, to be honest, I feel kind of, like, neutral. I don't really have strong opinions on either one of them, but it does seem like the public opinion of Amber Heard has suffered in this trial. And I don't think even if she's found not guilty of um defamation defamation yes thank you i still don't think she's gonna be able to work honestly yeah yeah i feel like her public perception has definitely gone down uh in this trial so i feel like it's gonna impact her no matter what sort of the jury decides I, I'll be curious to see what it does for Johnny Depp because I feel like people, at least on social media, seem very in his favor. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, does that still – does that extend into him actual him actually working or is it just sort of, oh, people think you know she's crazy and, and he's right, but they still don't really want to touch him? So, yeah. I don't know. I'm very curious to see what happens. And I just, I don't really know how to feel about all of it because it's a very complicated situation. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see though what the jury thinks on whether or not she was lying. Um, For sure, five years from now, they're going to make a limited series about this. Oh my God, totally. Or like a documentary or something. They have to. Oh, speaking of which, like I am currently watching The Staircase. Oh wait, are you watching the drama series or the documentary? The drama series. Okay, I heard that the drama series is good. But that the documentary is even better. And but they so people say you should watch the drama series first and then watch the documentary. Okay, good to know. I think Jack said he watched it like years ago because the documentary was filmed in like the early 2000s. Oh, really? Yeah, that's when this all happened. Oh, so yeah, I want to watch it. I'm going to need to watch that. Um, but I've really been enjoying the show. Have you been watching it? No, no, no. I, I see it like pop up, but I haven't watched it yet. Okay, I mean, it's it's very well done, it's a very good show. Like, you really don't know. What's Sophie Turner's happen. in it, right? Yes, she plays one of the daughters. Okay, um, she does a great job. But loving that show, it's also very much like a a court case situation, which is why yeah, I want to that. Made me think of it. Um, but there's two more episodes. They're coming out weekly, which like 
kills me. But I do have to say, if there's any platform that I am okay with releasing weekly episodes versus just releasing them all, it's HBO Max because they've been doing that for a very long time. Netflix, though, is pissing me off. I'm like, Netflix, (laughs) this is not your brand. You don't release weekly episodes. Yeah, their lane is the binge watch. So you need to just release it all at once and let me waste a day. You've created a new TV culture and now we're going back to the old TV culture. And here's my thing as well. If we're going back to weekly episodes of things, I want more episodes. I'm tired of this eight episode weekly episode BS. I'm done with it. Okay. (laughs) So I say this like I have influence on what's going to happen, but I'm just very passionate (laughs) about this because I'm infuriated. Like Bridgerton, I want 24 episodes. Okay? <laughs> I'm tired of this. Eight episodes? Like, you're killing me. You're killing me. And now I have to wait a year for eight more episodes? I've I already know. rewatched I, it. What am I, I supposed do to do? really wish that shows like that were like at least 12 episodes. At least. Like, are you kidding me? Married at First Sight is like 17 episodes and every episode's 90 minutes. Like, come on. <laughs> Come so on. true. How do you feel about the fact that it's going to be Penelope and Colin in season three? Um, mixed emotions. I love Penelope as a character. Like, I think she's very complex. I think she's mm-hmm. very relatable. Like her, yeah. her insecurities, her inability she, like, wants to be important. She was yes. trying to like find her voice. And- yeah, she feels invisible. So she, you know, went to another outlet. I think she's done some things that aren't great but once again like people are complicated you know we can be good and bad at the same time and I like her as a character I think you and I've talked about this Colin like uh, I feel very meh about Colin I'm just uh, like eh, he's fine he's not awful he's not a he's not a bad guy but I'm also not super invested in him and the way that he does sort of skate over pen continually makes me feel like meh I know. Say one more time that you have no interest in her. Like, right. say it one more time. Friends zone her one out. more time, and I'm done. <laughs> we get it. So we'll see if they make his character more interesting. Because I will say that when I heard season two was about Antony, I was also a little bit like, "All right." I was like, "Who like, cares about Antony?" Yeah, yeah. I was like, "He was kind of a dick in the first season," and like, I'm not that invested. And then, lo and behold, could I have and been now- more invested? I could not have been. So, oh my God, I love him so much. Okay, and I have a – this might be a hot take, but, and it's also kind of a longer hot take, so let me let me air <laughs> it all out there. Fuck love, everyone. Okay, so the actor who plays Antony. Mm-hmm. Jonathan I don't, Bailey. Jonathan Bailey. Uh, it is – I think there are speculation out there that he is dating a man. I, I think is, that's confirmed. I think, I'm okay. pretty sure it's confirmed he's gay. Okay. I don't know any confirmation about his sexuality, so that's why I just didn't want to confirm. But I, I'm kind of – I know he's dating a man in real life and I kind of love his character even more knowing that in real life he is not attempting to date Kate, like the woman who plays Kate in real life, her Simone Ashley, I think that's her name, Mm -hmm. because they have just a very pure friendship in real life. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, there's no messiness of them having a relationship in real life that if that goes sour, it then ruins your experience. Right, they can just stay friends forever. Yes. For example, like in The Kissing Booth. How many times can I bring up this movie? Infinite amounts. Um, but in The Kissing Booth, for example, Joey King and Jacob Alordi dated. 
And then they broke up and it ruined the whole romance for me because now they like hate each other and don't speak in real life. But like that's never going to happen with Jonathan Bailey and Simone Ashley because they're just besties in real life. Mm -hmm. I also think it's a quite the testament to his acting. Yeah. Because like – I'm like, man sold it. Sold being into women. Sold it. Also, like there's just this funny thing about like loving his character so much, like knowing he would never love me back. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like there's no hope for me and Antony. And that's okay because I do have a boyfriend, so that's probably (laughs) good. Um, But like it just like you remove yourself from that situation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You just like get to love it purely for what it is and not have any complications of what's going on in the real world. Mm -hmm. And I love it. Love it for me. I hope Tom and Zendaya are doing well. (laughs) 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 I was just thinking about them (laughs) when you said about Joey King and Jacob Elordi and how it ruined everything. And I'm like, I hope they never break up. Uh, I hope they stay together forever and have a beautiful life. Just your regularly scheduled, like, Tom and Check in with Tom and Zendaya. I I also I wish them the best at all times (laughs) I also wish them the best at all times I love them so much but like if they were to break up like it would kind of ruin the movie romance a little bit I know it would so that's why they gotta stay together forever can never break up now they can't they're not allowed (laughs) the people have spoken the people have spoken so, anywho, um, yeah, I don't even know how I got on that tangent, but I'm really glad that we got to go down that road um, because I feel passionately about it. So. Uh, to our listeners who don't like pop culture, wow, sorry, we really sorry. wanted a detour there, but we're back. Listen, it, it had to be done. Yeah. So, this is who we are. So. This is who we are. At our core, this is it. So, like, if we weren't recording a podcast, this is what Olivia and I would be talking about anyway. Yeah. So. We're just trying to get you involved in our daily conversations. If you want, I mean, like I said, there was two hours of content before we even got here that we yeah. just didn't record. So <laughs> really, we're doing you a favor. This is true. This is us filtered. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the edited down version. <laughs> Anywho, I don't know if there's anything else we could possibly catch you up on. So what we also wanted to talk about today we we kind of wanted to do a combo of things. We wanted this episode to be light because we like chit-chatting with each other and making each other laugh and having conversations about things in pop culture. But also the world the past week, I mean, the past many weeks, but especially the past week has just been heavy. And... um. We want to talk about it because it seems weird to not talk about it, but we also wanted to have kind of a mixture of things because one of the things we love about this podcast is being is creating a, a place where people are able to like separate from what's going on in the world. So yeah, and just feel sort of positive and yeah, fun, and, and we like to be reflective and talk about deep topics, but. A lot of times they're more about like looking inward versus like 
taking in everything else from the outside. Totally. Um, but it feels strange to not address current events that are so taxing and present and unfortunately not unfamiliar. Um, And so we wanted to talk a little bit today about how to cope when the world feels really heavy and address some stuff that's been happening in the world and then sort of hopefully end it more positively with what we do to sort of deal with it. Yeah. I think the past week I've definitely been feeling weighed down by what's going on, which is why we thought it would be great to talk about how we try to handle it. Um, Not to say that we're experts on it, but it's something we're all kind of going through. I think this past week in particular has been so challenging because of the school shooting that we saw. And I, you know, I don't, I'm not going to go into to the details because, you know, like we've all seen and it's everywhere. I think it's been particularly challenging for me this week because, as we mentioned before, Rebecca and I grew up in Connecticut. So when the Sandy Hook school shooting happened in 2012, it was very close to home for us. I mean, we did not, I did not go to that school, but... It was, you know, kind of right down the road and it was really scary. It was a very scary day for all of us. We were in lockdown. Like people didn't know what was happening. People didn't know where the shooter was. Like people were scared that he could go to another school. One of our teachers at the school actually lost a nephew in that shooting. And it just like really affected the school as a community And so to see something like that happen again was – again. Yeah. I mean, not to say at all that this is the only thing that has happened in the last 10 years because we all know that that's not true. I think just in this particular instance, I was especially shaken because of the – It felt so similar. It felt – yeah. It it felt literally like we were reliving that same day. And it's just like – I mean, it's so devastating. There's like not enough words to express what's going on. But I think it just there's so much anger that comes up and and fear and Mm -hmm. confusion. And there's just so many emotions. And it's really hard to sit with all of those and figure out how to like not let it consume you. And of course, I'm sure this happened for many people, but like that happened I got up the next day and I started working. Like no one, no one's talking yeah. about it at work. Like you're just supposed to get up and keep doing everything that As you normally it's do. Completely normal. Yeah, I feel like it's scary and sad and just bizarre that we're at a point where things like that happen. And obviously, people are upset. People are talking about it. But nothing stops, nothing immediately changes in your day-to-day. Like you're you're expected to get up and go to work and perform your tasks and behave as normal. And I, you know, we all 
did that, but it's just how do you pretend that 19 children weren't just killed and and just go about as if it's a regular day? Um, I feel like when Sandy Hook happened, things at least felt like they stopped a bit more mm-hmm. yeah, to really agree. take that in. And I feel like now it's almost like we're so jaded to it. We had that. We've had Pulse. We've had the Las Vegas shooting. We had Parkland and so many countless others at this point that now it's just, yep, another one. But, you know, business as usual, keep going about your day. Um, And I just – obviously, Olivia and I are not parents. I just – can't imagine what it's like to be a parent and to hear about something like that and to worry about sending your kids to school and worrying about like the trauma that they're being subjected to even if they're not a child at that particular school. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were interviewing um the woman who's the head of Mom's Demand. Um, And they were saying that like studies are showing that kids are actually experiencing trauma from just having active shooter drills, like Mm -hmm. just from having those lockdown drills, even if there's not ever an actual situation where they have to use it. The fact that they are doing the preparation itself and teaching them these things and making them aware that the this is a possibility for them and here's what you need to go do is impacting children's mental health. Well, I remember after Sandy Hook happened at, at my high school, all like the doors were all locked. Like you you could not enter the school without being like buzzed in. And we went to a pretty small school and and like a very, you know, Connecticut's very rural. So it's not like you had people trying to get in all the time, but like, yeah, you, this, they locked the entire school. You could not just walk in. I mean, we had lockdown drills on a regularly basis. Like, it's kind of crazy as a kid. You don't, you also don't think about the impact that that has on teachers mm-hmm. and what that's like. And I, I watched a video. I'm sure a lot of people saw it on Instagram this week. It was very powerful about a teacher and like, her create like her going through the plan of lockdown like the the responsibility that is on someone's shoulders to protect their entire classroom is so insane and um it's unfair like that yeah it's so unfair it's it's so crazy I think about it now too like people always joke about how when you're a kid you feel like your teachers are so old and then you realize they're like 24-year-olds? Yeah, they're mid-20s. Yeah. So many of them. And thinking about how easily that could be, Rebecca or I, like, all of a sudden you're responsible for 20-plus children's lives and the pressure that 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 takes, like, it's it's just insane. And, um, I mean, every day more – things come out about this most recent shooting that just like make it even more devastating. And I feel like we don't want to talk too much about that because once again, it's already so upsetting. Like we don't want to just, 
Yeah. We it's already so traumatic. We don't need to go through the details of what's going on there. Totally. But. We don't want to add to it. I mean, like, I think we're all probably experiencing a lot of the same emotions. Um, but, you know, it's been th- – I mean, there's been so many things going on. It's hard to keep track. And I think it's so hard for our, our brains to even try to comprehend everything because it's not just this. It's 10,000 other things that are also going on at the same time. I mean, what's been going on most recently that really personally upsets Rebecca and I is what's going on with abortion rights and and women's rights to their bodies in general. And I think that also weighs really heavily on us. And I, I was talking to Rebecca about this before the podcast, like it's made me so angry just like what's been going on. And I didn't really, I mean, I knew because like, of course these things are so upsetting, but sometimes you feel so numb to it. And then I was Mm -hmm. having a conversation with Jack in which I was just, I kind of exploded a little bit just because I was just so mad about being the pressures of being a woman, like just in general, like I'm just angry about it. Mm -hmm. I'm tired. I'm angry. I'm stressed out. And I didn't even know that I was feeling it so much until we were having a conversation about something else and I just got so angry about that. I was also talking to Rebecca about how recently I got an IUD. Um, You know, we had that conversation with Laura a few weeks ago. If you haven't listened to that Mm -hmm. episode, you totally should. Um, But we were talking a lot about birth control and I decided that I wanted to get an IUD. And... I got it probably almost two months ago, very similar, like very soon after we had that conversation. I was like, okay, you know what? I wanna, I wanna do this. It's something I've been thinking about for a while, and it's just been like a very physically challenging process. Um, once again, like I am not any sort of medical professional, so don't take my experience as as facts about what it's like to get an IUD, but. Um, for me, it has been very physically taxing for the past two months. It's, it's truly felt like I'm recovering from like a large operation. (laughs) Like it's been, it's been really tough. And so to be going through like physically these challenges of trying to be in charge of my own reproductive health at the same time that women's rights are just being taken away left and right is such an infuriating feeling just that it feels like a lot of time a lot of the time we're just we're so minimized yeah in in the public conversation of of being a woman i mean once again a lot of the conversations you hear about women not having abortions and reproductive rights are are by men <laughs> those are the people having these conversations but just to be hearing this and hearing the things are just being taken away and access to healthcare is being taken away while like once and once again all the pressure falls on women like once again it's mm-hmm. like somehow it's my responsibility to not get pregnant it's my responsibility to also not have sex apparently as a woman so that you don't get pregnant it's also my responsibility to have a child if i do happen to get pregnant and provide for that child with or without the support of others. Like all of that falls on a woman. 
And I'm not in the situation of I'm having a child right now and I'm lucky that I do have access to birth control when not all women do. Lucky that I'm in a relationship with a man who's willing to have conversations about not having children or having children one day. Not everyone's in that situation. So I'm already at this level of privilege that so many people are not at. And I'm infuriated. And so I can only imagine that there's so many other women who are just so angry. And it's just like a lot to have on our shoulders at one time. Yeah. I feel like it's really hard when you do feel this like anger or outrage or sadness or disillusionment and you're sort of wondering, where do I put that? What do I do with it? How do I keep moving forward without just setting it aside and accepting it as it is? Um, I've seen a lot of tweets saying that the the debate was over or the 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 decision had already been made when nothing changed after Sandy Hook, basically being like, you know, we've we've already lost our soul basically because we didn't do anything after Sandy Hook to protect children or to to change the way things are. And on the one hand, I'm like, I, I totally get that sentiment, but I feel like it's really important in moments like this to not give in to that hopeless feeling, to figure out what to do with all of these emotions that feels productive or at least on the path to something productive because I feel like when all this stuff happens or it all feels like it's happening at once, it's so easy to feel so helpless, so powerless, so stuck, feeling like nothing will change and this is how things are and no one's doing anything about it and that's just what else are we supposed to do? But I also think about how there's been other moments in time where atrocious things were happening in this country and they changed and it took a really long time, but they did change. And I think in these situations, the change isn't happening fast enough, but I still believe that it can happen. I think people just need to not believe in a narrative where it's already like predetermined or it, there's nothing else to do or, um, oh, we're so divided it will never happen because I feel like there are people who benefit from us believing that and they shouldn't be. Um, I was again listening to Glennon Doyle's podcast, which I Your love. fave. My fave, Stan. <laughs> um, and she was talking about, I think, either a quote or a story from Desmond Tutu where basically um, – I'm going to butcher like paraphrasing this, but basically he was talking about how like philanthropy is – like pulling people out of a river, you know, who are struggling. And he was like, that's very admirable to to take your time or your money or whatever and pull people out of the river. But at some point, you need to look upstream and ask who's pushing them in. Um, 
why are they in there in the first place? Because they keep coming and you can only help so many people out of the river, but you could do a lot more if you stop the problem upstream. And I think that's how I feel about a lot of these kinds of issues. Like after a school shooting, it's like, okay, we can we can give money to the families. We can donate. We can send our thoughts and prayers. However, who's pushing them in the river? Who's benefiting from the situation and why? And why are we letting them benefit from the situation? Um, and so I feel like after these events happen, I spend a lot of time thinking about that and what can we do um, to not feel hopeless, which would benefit certain people for us to just believe that there's nothing we can do about it. I totally agree. And I think like a lot of not drowning in that hopelessness feeling is also remembering to take care of yourself during these times Mm -hmm. so that we can continue to do the work to see change in the future. And I think that's where things can get challenging. I, you know, some people I think are able to let these things roll off of their shoulders maybe a little bit more or separate themselves. I th- I think there are a lot of people who struggle with it. Um, I remember specifically for me, like at the beginning of the pandemic, I was on Twitter. I was on CNN <laughs> News like every single day. I was refreshing every hour to see like what was going on with COVID. Mm-hmm. And it was driving me insane. Like at a certain point I had to stop doing that. Um, and it's hard because I, you know, I waver between this line of wanting to be informed and also needing the space. And I think that that looks different for everyone. So I think you really need to find what your own boundary is, you know? Um, maybe you say I look once a day for 10 minutes. Maybe you say I need to not look for the next three days. I don't know. Like I I think it varies for everyone. Um, but I think you need to find that balance so that you're able to take some space away from what's going on. Um, doesn't mean that you're not still understanding the importance and the gravity of what's going on around us, but you can't fix all of the problems in this moment. So you need to take care of yourself. One of the things Rebecca and I talked about was like finding a way to ground yourself kind of like in the here and now and where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, a lot of times that's going outside. I'm lucky to live close to the water and I find the water to be a very grounding place for me. So I like to either walk or go for a run there as often as I can. Um, and I put on a podcast, usually a podcast that's like super happy or about something silly. And I do that, or I watch my ridiculous reality TV shows at night, um, or try to read like a book about romance, like before I go to bed, you know, just something that I, it's like, it either grounds me in the present so that I'm able to like take some deep breaths or like distracts me it honestly. takes you out completely <laughs> yeah, yeah like one or the other um because it's just like our our minds can ruminate and um want like wander into to heavy places during these yeah. times 
especially when we can be so connected, which is the thing we also talked about in our episode with Sadie about just how easy it is to know so much information all the time. And that's a pretty big burden sometimes. And I think, yeah, like we're saying, one of the ways to cope with the world feeling so heavy is to do something grounding like walk outside, play with your pet, turn your phone off. Um, I find that it helps me a lot if I stay off of Twitter. And I've been – I used to check Twitter quite a lot. I never tweeted, but I would read all the tweets. And I pretty much have put that away. I just can't spend my day scrolling through it anymore because it makes me too anxious. So like you were saying, I've got to straddle the line of like being informed but also not to the minute Um, because it's – it's it's too much to take uh, on an hourly basis. Yeah, I know Jack used to do that a lot with Reddit. He was saying to me he he takes care of the animals in the morning, so he gets up and he takes the dog out. And he was like, I was just scrolling Reddit like through the whole walk, and then he comes he would come back in and his day would start on a bad note because he's starting with all the negativity that's going on in the world, and so. If you're someone who kind of consumes news first thing in the morning, maybe take a look at that and see if there's like a a routine you can develop before you do that. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. you get up, you either go for a walk, you know, with the dog without going on your phone or, you know, sometimes I get up and I go for a run in the morning um, or I just get up and I honestly slowly move through my morning, which sometimes is as effective if not more effective than like trying to get exercise in the morning it's like Mm -hmm. I get up slowly sometimes I'll like have my breakfast in my bed and like watch a show before I get up and and do the day like just having a slower routine or maybe even journaling in the morning if that's something that you like to do I'm horrible at it um but maybe just like evaluating what your current routine is in in terms of being informed and and see if you're you know, consuming it at the right time for you and also in like the right amount of time, you know, Mm -hmm. I can, I do this on TikTok in particular, which isn't necessarily for me a negative platform. I've got my algorithm pretty stuck on cats, but like (laughs) I can be on TikTok for like an hour because I just sit there and I get sucked in. Yes. And so sometimes it's like, if you find yourself doing that with heavy content, maybe you need to set a timer for yourself, honestly, for like 15 minutes and then you you shut it off. I think another thing that I've been doing is, you know, staying connected to the people that I care about. And sometimes that looks like having difficult conversations about what's going on around you. You know, Jack and I talk about it because we're obviously together every day. But actually, when it comes to a lot of my friends and family, like I'm not talking about this with them and not because I don't think that they're not paying attention or because they think I'm not paying attention, but because we need to lean on each other and find happiness in our relationships outside of what's going on immediately in front of us. Because it's like no one in your circle is unaware of what's going on right now. Yeah. And maybe they do want to talk about it. You could always ask, how are you feeling? How is this affecting you? Do you want to talk about it? Or you could consciously make an effort to not talk about it. You could say, hey, like, I know what's going on in the world right now. I just need to talk about something else. Like, I need us to talk about your love life or I need us to talk about 
the show you're watching. Like I need a mm-hmm. distraction. Yeah. I know sometimes a happy distraction with loved ones is a really nice way to get out of your head or get out of those like thought spirals and just focus for a bit on something else and just remind you of the goodness of people or the goodness of the world and the good parts of the world and the things that you like and the things that, you know, bring you joy. Um, Finding time to do something fun or uplifting, um, even if it's small. Yeah. Someone I love to follow um, who is a good reminder of this is Jonathan Van Ness and love them. And they're very good at being an informed person. And also, he's a very big a- activist, um, but also remembering to find joy in little things. Like, he loves to plant pumpkins and watermelons. But I just love that he shows his audience as well that um, – it's important to take those moments to focus on your joy so that you can continue the fight. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, like what, it's what fortifies us. Totally. So he's like, he's growing his pumpkins and his watermelons. He's doing his gymnastics. He's also having people on his podcast to talk about things like reproductive rights and the trans community and LGBTQ plus rights and all these things, you know? So it's like, it's finding that balance. And listen, I am not an activist, like, by trade. <laughs> so I'm not saying that everyone needs to be, you know, doing all this work all the time. I just – I love that he is an example of someone who can do both things. And so I think – I think also, too, in these times, sometimes it's really overwhelming to know what to do. I know I always feel this way. Unfortunately, this happens so often, whether it be a shooting, whether it be – you know, a Supreme Court insanity that's going on, whatever it is, it happens so frequently. And then you see a million links on Instagram about donate here, donate there, call this person, write this person. And you're like, what do I do? Like, I can't do all these things. Which is the most effective? Which organization do I donate to? And I don't know. I find it really overwhelming. Um, And so a lot of times I try – sometimes I like wait a second – because I feel like one day you hear like donate to this organization and the next day it's donate to this organization. So sometimes I like wait a couple days and try to like filter through all of it and and see what do I want to support? Where do I want to put my money or my efforts? Mm -hmm. A lot of times too, if you work for an organization, they have organizations that they support like nonprofits or, or recommendations for you. And that's super helpful. Or sometimes people will start locally a donation or some form of like charitable work that you can be a part of. And sometimes that's nice too, to do something more locally that's going to help on a broader level because it kind of connects you to the community, which is really nice. I feel like sometimes it it feels nice to just, as we were saying, put all of those emotions into some sort of action and like that can look different for each person based on who they are and what they're comfortable with and where they are in life and where they are maybe geographically. Um, But some things that we thought of were, you know, you can donate, you can donate money if you have it to organizations that you believe are going to contribute to the causes you care about. You can donate your time. You can try and volunteer in 
local ways um, and, and figure out whether that's through an organization. Does that mean volunteering um, to do something related to government or voting, or does it have to do with um, more local like community groups or, or things like that? Um, and like we're saying, if you, if you don't know where to start, just try, try and learn more, learn more about an issue, learn more about what opportunities exist to participate. Cause I, I feel like what can help the, the feeling of powerlessness is to feel like there's something you can do, even if it's really small to just contribute in some way so that it's not just, oh, this thing is happening on my TV or, you know, I'm hearing about it, but there's nothing that I could do to change anything. I just have to sort of sit by and, and watch it happen. Um, Cause I think there's enough of us who feel the same way every time something like this happens, who feel upset, outraged, sad, disappointed. And if there's that many of us feeling that way, there's enough of us to actually make a difference. Like we're not as powerless as we think we are. Um, but it's, it's a lot easier to feel that way if we're not connected or if we don't feel like there are resources for us to actually funnel our emotion into. An inspiring woman you are. (laughs) I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know if anything I'm saying is like, I don't think it's new information or if it's helpful in any way, but these are the things I've just been thinking about the past few days and like, when I feel so sad or I'm like talking to Mike about it and I just, I'm like, I don't understand. It's so unfair. It's so unbearable. I'm like, I have to figure out what is the next thing to do? What, what do I do about it? And I'm still trying to figure it out, but it's gotta be something. It can't just be, well, you know, just another Tuesday or whatever. Like it's, it's gotta be something different. Well, I think we're all trying to learn as much as we can about how to be the best advocate for the things that we believe in and make a difference where we can. And I think that's hard to do in a very large world. Um, But I think we would love to learn from our listeners as well. If you have tips, please let us know. We would love to share them. If you have organizations Mm -hmm. that you're passionate about, let us know. I mean, we are a small but mighty community over here at Sisterly, so (laughs) we would love to share also organizations that you're all passionate about or that you know are making a difference. Um, And also just sharing ways that you're taking care of yourself during times like this that are really challenging, um, because I think we can all use the support of one another um, Mm -hmm. to get through these times. But thanks for going on this wild ride of an episode for for the last hour. Um, We really appreciate you all listening. Um, You know, we like to keep it a mixed bag of things to chat about (laughs) on these episodes, a little light, a little heavy, but hopefully um, you walk away feeling like there's someone else going through what you're going through too. So we really appreciate you listening. Um, We can't wait to have you back for another episode next week. Make sure you're following us at Sisterly Pod on Instagram, and we will chat with you all next week. 